In this episode of Balancing the Christian Life, we talk about the importance of patience and focus. Welcome to Balancing the Christian Life. I'm Dr. Kenny Embry. Let's discover how to be better Christians and people in the digital age. So my dad is one of those generous people who often gives quirky but very thoughtful gifts. Like when I was growing up, he suddenly developed an interest in kites. I remember one year, everyone in our family ended up with some fairly high-end kite. Or my dad's interest in artist Charlie Harper. Harper painted wildlife using simple geometric shapes and solid colors. Uh, Once you see a Charlie Harper painting, you'll recognize his work for the rest of your life. But he's gotten us calendars with Harper's prints or mugs. Again, very thoughtful, but nothing you'd put on a wish list. Well, a few days ago, my dad thought my son Kent should have a Spider-Man Daily Bugle Lego set. (laughs) Kent is 14. So I was a little worried he might have aged out of Legos. I know there's often a small window of time between giving the coolest gift in the world or giving the lamest gift you simply pretend is nice, and that opportunity might be measured in months. But the two guys involved really loved each other. So even if this went south, I knew Kent would be gracious and Dad was being generous. What didn't surprise me was my son was concerned the gift was too expensive. He looked it up on Amazon. His eyes went wide when he saw how much it cost. I think the first words out of his mouth were, that's just too much. I kind of love that about Kent. He's always concerned that other people are over-considering him. If you think you'll enjoy it, I think that would make Papaw very happy. So Kent started planning for this mammoth 32-inch 3,772-piece, 534-step Lego project. And I still harbored a few doubts if this was something he would stick with or if we would be looking at a half-done box of pieces for the next six months. When the giant box came to the house, Kent was as excited as Kent gets. My older children are all pretty outspoken. You never have any doubt if they're happy or upset with what's going on around them. But Kent is my introvert. I've been surprised often by what he thinks or how he feels. He's just one of those kids who keeps a pretty tight lid on his emotions until you try to unpack them later. So what happened next was both typical Kent and a surprise at the same time. He carefully opened the box, got out the directions, and started setting up the table so he could get to work. As a father, I learned a lot about Christianity from my kids. And the thing that struck me immediately about this was how focused Kent was, his careful attention to detail, and how much joy he got from small pieces of plastic. As Christians, it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to take lists like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians or the virtues we're supposed to develop in 2 Peter, the first chapter, and notice how much needs to change and be paralyzed by the sheer list. I mean, think about the lists we have, like developing patience and kindness and love and godliness and self-control and gentleness and generosity and faithfulness. There's no way around it. 
Christianity has a lot of moving parts, especially if you're wanting to grow. What do you have to focus on first? But watching Kent, it's interesting to see what he does first. He's looking for room. He wants a table or a desk, some place to help make decisions, some place that's out of the way, some place where he can focus his attention on the instructions. As Christians, I think one of the ideas I've been interested in is the idea of margin. Margin is intentionally leaving space in your schedule or in your mind to do the hard work of thinking and organizing. In your budget, it means leaving some money intentionally unassigned in case there's an unexpected expense. Kent wants enough space to spread out the pieces and also a place for the finished piece to sit. In other words, he'll probably need a little more space than what he originally planned. So, he's looking for a space with some buffer or margin. Christians need that too. We need to have empty times when we can think. There's a sense where we can and often do overstress reading scripture and underemphasize meditating on it. In traditional synagogue worship, the texts of the Bible often lived in the building, but for at least part of the service, after the scripture was read, the leaders of the synagogue would talk about what it meant. They had to think about it. The way the Bible is written invites us to think more about what God said or what the stories mean. I mean, if you think about it, if the Bible was written like a novel, it would lose both its appeal and its effectiveness quickly. But it's not like a novel or a self-help book. What we learn takes a lifetime to master, which means it doesn't necessarily make sense to rush to the end. Focus on the process God is asking us to consider. Christianity, at its core, is simple, but not easy. Lately, I've been impressed with 2 Peter 1. It's a nice blueprint on how to grow as a Christian. Where Peter starts, is faith. This is an idea we talked about with Nathan Ward. Hebrews 11 tells us we must first believe that God is and that he rewards those who are looking for him. Let me say that again. We first must believe that God is and that he rewards those who diligently seek after him. Faith is essentially trusting in God. And if you don't start here, you're going to have problems. The idea of focus necessarily means we look at one thing at a time without being distracted. Focusing on faith starts at an important place first, with God. Do you believe? Do you know who he is? Do you know what makes him different? Do you have any proof at all? Can you defend the idea God exists? These are pretty simple questions with pretty important answers. And let's face it, if you don't start here, 
the rest of the journey doesn't make much sense at all. Kant is different than I am. His ability to focus for long periods of time is truly impressive. But something else I really appreciate is his ability to focus on detail. He's laid out the pieces in order. He's looked over the instructions, and he sees how the pieces are supposed to go together. I'm not nearly as detail-oriented as Kant, and in some ways, I'm grateful for that. I think people often sort themselves into careers and relationships that complement what they do well. For example, my wife Katie and I are very different people, and that served us pretty well. She loves organizing the pantry and making sure the bathrooms are clean, and I couldn't care less about that. However, I like making sure our budget is more on track and that we have some fun. So no, I don't feel like I need to be as fastidious as Cantor Katie. But what I do admire about his eye to detail is the extreme amount of patience he shows in the process. He focuses on the next step, and if the piece doesn't fit exactly the way it should, he's not one to throw a fit. He tries again. Patience in the Bible can mean both waiting for something or endurance and putting up with some frustration or forbearance. Must admit, I struggle with both of these ideas, but it's precisely what we are called to do. Every list I know about of Christian virtues includes patience. Just like I never hear Kent's frustration, God has put up with some pretty ridiculous actions of mine. I've been pretty dense when it comes to both understanding and doing what he wants me to do, but he promises that as long as I'm trying, he'll keep waiting on me. Finally, it's fun to watch the satisfaction Kent gets from putting this silly Spider-Man Lego set together. Every once in a while, he brings in a completed section and tells me what the hard parts were. He tells me how things fit together and the amount of detail in each of the pieces. He tells me something about the characters which belong in this setting. He's enjoying himself. He loves this. He really loves this. And his enthusiasm is infectious. Look, I did Legos when I was a kid, but mostly I built a house and then the Legos became torture devices hidden in the carpet waiting for someone to step on them with bare feet. But the Kent... They mean more than the little plastic pieces. They bring him joy because he sees something in them. I can't. The joy Christians should have is more than the sum of having good experiences, but are instead a way to start framing what our lives truly mean and how they matter to God and others. In James, we are told to view temptations as joyful because they make us better. In other words, the parts of our lives that seem challenging actually help us to be more like God. That's a difficult perspective to take because it's much easier to focus on the stuff that's difficult and think it's actually a punishment or horrible luck. Look, terrible things happen to all of us. And while that's poor comfort when we're going through trials or some really dark patches of our lives, the truth is, there's always a path to joy if we will look for it. Kent's Lego set looks like a giant headache to me, 
It's literally over 3,000 pieces of plastic that look impossible to put together into anything remotely to what I see on the box, but can't see something different than I do. He sees what it will become. He sees what it's becoming as he puts one piece on top of another. He has a vision I don't. That's pretty impressive. As Christians, keeping focus can help us find the joy in the mundane stuff, the hard stuff, and the stuff which seems unimportant. In most of the relationships that are truly important to us, some of the most profound parts come in simple gestures. In John 13, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. There's nothing difficult about that. Water, maybe soap in a basin are all you really need to do that. But it meant something more than that. It showed humility. It showed service. It showed care. It showed love. It was a simple gesture, which should have inspired more gratitude in the moment, love and joy in his disciples. We already know they were confused. But did you notice that they wrote it down when they understood it better? It's amazing to me that God has us go through this life There's a lot to learn, a lot here to do, a lot of people to meet and serve. And part of what he asks us to do is focus. Watch for what needs to be done. And then find joy in that service. (laughs) Kind of like what Kent is showing me. It's kind of incredible God wants anything to do with us at all. But he, too, is trying to build us into something pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's better than Legos. He's building us into his family. And that should be more than enough to make us both grateful and joyful. As for the good thing I'm thinking about, I'm thankful for people who care. Today, I talked with Dan Edwards about his part in the lecture series, talking about mental health. We talked a long time about how to help people, and I remember hanging up thinking, I'm glad there are people like Dan who work to make sure those around them are better off and how to cope with their problems. That is just cool. As you probably noticed, I didn't release my interview with Amber Jimerson today. But Amber and I talked this week, and we're going to reschedule another interview this upcoming week. There was an important part of her story missing. And I think it makes sense to talk to her again. I do plan to release that interview next week, provided it happens. I also have a really good interview with Bob Darnell, who converted from Judaism. And I just finished an interview with Don Truex about being a spiritual leader. I'm excited about all of those. I think they'll help make us better. So until next time, let's be good and do good.